The Information Podcast at GSR explains the nature and mechanics of our services, how we test your biological energy and what we're doing with that research. You can learn more about getting reports for yourself or even about being a student. Please enjoy today's program. part of our video, we look at the challenge of being a practitioner. And this will come in four, maybe um, more organized than the last one, four parts. So when we're looking fundamentally at changes to the healthcare system in America, we all know the problems, or at least we think we do. And in many ways, the holistic health practitioner defines his work by the problems on maybe the opposite side of the coin from where he is. Just like Democrats and Republicans like to blame each other, it's very difficult for the subtle truth to emerge that kind of can defy either one of them while still being loving. To both of them. You know, as God would be to his children, surely we can aspire to love even those who've made mistakes. So in holistic health, what we have is criticism for the other side. Now, I wouldn't want to be treated by a Western doctor for many health issues, with the obvious caveat of if I uh, showed up to the emergency room missing a leg, I would be more than happy to, you know, that sort of obvious caveat, <clears throat> those types of things. But it wouldn't work for me if I had a heart condition to do something so limited as take statins. If I had a blood sugar condition to do something so limited as to take metformin. So for, for me, this would be an opposite point of view. But unfortunately, unfortunately, this kind of naked rebellion against the mm, degraded healthcare system, degraded in terms of outcome expectations, which we have almost any metric you look at, there's decline. How long we're living, cancer rates by percentage, type 1 diabetes rates by percentage. We are losing autism rates by percentage. And Western medicine doesn't have a hold on precisely what it is to do. There's no stake in saying autism might have been caused by something. Type 1 diabetes might have been caused by something. And in the holistic 
world, we often, you know, feel we're prepared to meet that challenge. Diabetes? Ah, yeah. Processed food. The evil is supporters and proponents of the Western diet. And maybe it's not so simple. Now, especially if we get into oppositional uh, directionality between holistic healthcare chains of thought where we could see an acupuncturist viewing the body, not in the same way at all as even the most holistic nutritionist would, where naturopaths, you could go to four naturopaths, sixth naturopaths, and the number of naturopaths you go to, it's likely that that's the number of treatments you would receive. Things can be that far apart. They can be that different. And there's not an easy way to tie together all of these theories. We don't want to say the Reiki master is foolish for believing that Reiki could work to alleviate this or that concern, with, of course, some obvious caveats. Um, I mentioned type 1 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes fairly often. I'm type 1 diabetic. That's what led me into health, holistic health. In some ways, it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me, inspired me, made me ready for learning. Otherwise, I would have been a social studies teacher. That was the likely path. And it just happens to be a meme in the type 1 diabetes community. Type 1, not a single peer-reviewed case study, not one. Type 2 diabetes, maybe there's many. In fact, there are many. But type 1 diabetes, absent of those who just recently acquired the illness, type 1 diabetes, this, the cells that produce insulin are dead. A cure would mean regrowing the cells in the same way that one would regrow a limb. And so it's been, it's become a meme in type 1 diabetes, that someone says they can cure your type 1 with Reiki, which, which is utterly contemptible. Utterly contemptible. The same as making the assumption that someone who's quadriplegic should be able to regrow their arms through Reiki. Now, but we don't want to say that, that Reiki, absent of some kind of, you know, crazy or um, excessive promise, such as, you know, causing someone to regrow limbs, we don't want to say that they're bad, that they're causing harm. It's obviously not their intent to be bad or to cause harm. But holistic health 
thought can become so divided that it becomes easier to, for some, lump Reiki in with, mm, say, a lump, uh, you know, a category of crazy stuff that doesn't matter, that doesn't make sense, that doesn't work. And for us, it's far more appropriate to say, how does Reiki work? What's the reasonable use? How do we select who should get Reiki? and who should get nutrition. Now, we have different fields of thought in holistic health, and these, when I open up different areas for understanding, these are the systems, right? So we can put Reiki into a category for doing research on Reiki, for practitioners to learn about Reiki, to learn how to use Reiki, and for testing practitioners like me to say, here's when Reiki could or should be applied. Now, there's many categories of what you can do. Uh, I think of building biology, looking at EMF, Wi-Fi, and designing the biological home, a place that is relatively neutral we don't know when to apply building biology. This is a system of thought that has gained a lot of steam, a lot of motion going forward. You have now, for example, there's a story of a computer programmer. His name, I believe, is Jeremy Johnson. Computer programmer. And after uh, smart meters, a wall of smart meters, were placed very close to his apartment in an apartment building, I believe in San Francisco. He started having migraines, all these symptoms, and it all ended up being because of the smart meters. So he has a pretty well-known TED Talk, and he speaks about the harm, the dangers of EMF exposure. Now, we don't know when to apply the Jeremy Johnson mindset. And we could make the mistake of saying that that is for everybody. Just like we could make the mistake of saying uh, there's Gabriel Cousins who teaches more or less a raw vegan type of uh, nutrition program. He created the documentary Simply Raw about reversing type 2 diabetes. We could make the assumption after seeing the good work completed by Gabriel Cousins that maybe this is what we should use for everybody. Now, the question is not, would it be a bad idea to use this for everybody? Whether it's good, whether it's bad, it doesn't matter. I mean, I could go to even biblical scripture, biblical scripture, 
where it says, you know, kind of close to the end of the end of days, people will come having misquoted, misrepresented scripture, scripture, teachings of God. They'll tell you you're not allowed to marry and they'll tell you you're not allowed to eat certain foods. So even from a Christian standpoint, you're not allowed to say to somebody, this is the way you're supposed to eat. This food is good. That food is bad. It would be like saying, let's say someone who is Inuit, living in northern Canada, maybe Greenland, or from a more traditional cultural per perspective where they're eating meat, let's say a person from such a culture has a headache. If we try to apply the Gabriel Cousins program, we would say, well, the cause is you're not eating raw and vegan, and you need to eat more raw and vegan food, and nothing else would even matter. But, <clears throat> so, so that's not, you know, we're never going to find, per se, the universally applicable system that removes everything else from the drawing board. So just because Gabriel Cousins' program works, that doesn't mean acupuncture doesn't, obviously. And the question is then, how do we apply the right system at the right time for the right person? Maybe somebody isn't ready to do heavy metal detox. They don't like hearing that word. Maybe they come into your office and they say, some stupid idiot tried to sell me $400 of stuff for heavy metals. And we have the challenge, we have the obligation to do what's right, but we have the challenge to say, you know, I respect where you're coming from instead of saying you're wrong. Now, if we say you're wrong, we get into that problem with the Gabriel Cousins example. Going forward with the heavy metals is the only way for you to have positive results. But testing isn't like that at all. Testing, okay, let's say we take the heavy metal kind of extreme program. We can even, through our testing, test that heavy metals were an issue. And if we remove any supplements pertinent to detox, we might find sauna will help with whatever the problem is caused by the heavy metals. Maybe a counseling type program, maybe a nutritional type program. We don't even have to address metals through supplements labeled for toxicology. We can even ignore that they exist. Now, how much closer to home does this chain of thought hit, when I bring up the example, what about the poor? What about the orphan? What about the youth? 
What about the person who's suffering? They don't even know anything about holistic type ideas. Say they're a college student and maybe they're a skeptic on holistic medicine. The question is then, what can we apply that will be useful, that will be relevant without being like in the Gabriel Cousins example, the person who says, this is the answer, this is the key. So the way we do this is selecting between different schools of thought. The goal of Globe Matrix is to teach schools of thought, as many of them as possible, and a unified mechanism for integration. The goal for the future of our research is to have an infinite wellness tool. Say something pops up on your phone that says, you know, your score for this meridian just went down. Would you like to go to the store and get this supplement or have it sent to your house? Would you like to go to the grocery store and, you know, get this food and make this thing that tests as having an impact? You know, that universal of a design where we're really using any tool to influence our outcomes. Not to say that this is going to be, you know, computerized in the next five or six or seven or ten years, but certainly we could visualize the potency of that. To have not only research that shows here's the damage from your smartphone, but it shows you that damage in real time and gives you the steps for solutions. So the way we do this, the way we navigate, is selecting the correct, I'm sorry, not the correct, uh, if anything, we're selecting the incorrect with the advisement that there is no perfectly correct program, but we're selecting things that help us. Given our needs, given what we're ready for, with the idea that every day we could be doing something better. Now, think you're a practitioner. You've got dozens of schools of thought you've heard of. I, I love just the axiom of you know, one little point of wisdom telling the story for years afterwards. Let's say years ago you became interested in the harm of genetically engineered food and any time somebody has a digestive symptom you start, start talking about glyphosate and ge genetically engineered corn. But you haven't tested them and shown you know the easiest most simple path to balance your digestion is to do this could have to do with uh, metals studies on mercury and digestion 
It could have to do with glyphosate. It could have to do with what the person's eating. And so on and so forth. They could have an autoimmune type condition. So many things. And you have the method to choose the right one. But, you know, our, our, our methods, our tools, the toolkits we have in this life are often aligned towards simplicity and the appearance of what works. And part of the appearance of what works is someone gaining confidence in you. So if somebody mentions to you they're having digestive issue and you very confidently describe the genetically modified food issue and you're sure that that's it, the person might even feel peace to know that there's an answer out there. But you didn't test it. You didn't have the background to say, actually, there's 20, 40 issues that could be going on. Here's the one that's most effective. And what I'm saying to you does not go well with marketing. Because even if you're a practitioner where you are doing some testing, but you're only testing the items that you um, have in stock, you're only testing the items that you sell. Well, you're only as good as those items. It limits your flexibility. And the ability to understand, to even just in a basic way, be cognitive of a wider plethora of options and know how to apply them, that's the strength of your practice. And this isn't just about knowing supplements more and more. It's also a matter of knowing when to step back and say, you know, I have a friend, they do this, they're an acupuncturist, I feel that person is right for you right now. It's interesting, every time I've said that, I said, right now, go see an acupuncturist on top of what I'm doing with you, just go see an acupuncturist. Every time I've said that, I get remarkable feedback. And it's just me stepping out of the driver's seat for a little while. Let somebody else take a spin and, and see what can come from it. So one of the things we're missing, and this is the point, is how to test what works. Now, there's two parts to this. Step one, let's test what works. However, you know, inconceivably narrow, inconceive inconceivably narrow, our field of focus is being a human, you know, not an alien with three brains, not, you know, something that can infinitely calculate everything. As limited as we are, it is amazing what we can do when we add more knowledge. The genetically modified food example, that doesn't need to be something that you just know about. And then when someone has a problem, you say, based on my knowledge, I think this. 
the genetically modified food, that needs to be a testing slide next to two dozen other testing slides. Say it pertains to digestive issues, as I was talking about. And each time somebody has an issue, you go to those slides and say, I don't know anything about this. There's no way for me to predict just by seeing you what you have going on. But, you know, I've got 30 slides. Let's see how many of them apply to you. So one aspect is being able to utilize systems of thought from beyond your intelligence, beyond the place where you started from. And the second is to have many of them that you can select between. So I think it's good if the average practitioner can say, you know, I don't know much about massage. I don't know much about cranial sacral therapy. I don't know much about osteopathy. And then say, okay, well, let me take the, you know, for me, the cranial sacral energetics course and just start learning more about structure with the explicit purpose that when that comes up in testing, I can say, even though I know very little about this and I'm not qualified to fully deal with it, I know that's the issue. It becomes good if the practitioner can say, I don't know about, say it's with diet, Dr. Omura's diet protocol. I don't know about blood type diet protocol. But they can go to our courses and just in a basic way familiarize themselves so that when that testing slide, they go through all the different diet selection things and you know, you really test strongly with the blood type diet stuff or with the Omura stuff or with paleo stuff or the collection of recipes from Sally Fallon's work, Nourishing Traditions, and say, you know, I think what you need to do with food is you need to eat Sally Fallon style, Nourishing Traditions. And then maybe you have a client who mentions MTHFR. And you can go check the course, learn about that issue, and easily apply it with a depth of focus that's piercing because you don't know, have to know every single thing Sally Fallon has ever said about food to know what to do if those slides show up. If those slides show up, you can tell your patient to research more. They can do it. They can do the work. But at least you have the tools to get them there. So one issue with practitioners, we often don't have a broad enough scope. And a lot of that is based on money. You know, I, I can't think of a lot of massage therapists that I've known taking on nutrition. It's beaten into their head that they're sort of not supposed to do that. Um, which I think is a little bit dubious. 
there's a confidence issue there. They feel like they're just meant to work with this. But as soon as they get into it, sometimes they realize, shit, I'm having a bigger impact talking about infections and supplements and toxicology than I was with the actual massage work. Or maybe it's herbalism, whatever it is. We can work in a combinative style, even in a way that says, you know, I'm good at these issues, I'm not qualified with those issues, so I'd like to, you know, refer out for those issues. So broadening our scope of what we're capable of utilizing to get as many tools as possible, and then testing between them. You know, I want to try Eric Pearl reconnection with you. We don't teach the reconnection, but I don't advise you necessarily go, you know, spend the thousands of dollars to take his courses. <laughs> that stuff you can, mm, well, I'm trying to make more accessible to learn things like that. I'll just say that. Things like that. Things like whatever you want, but testing to select between them. That makes you a lot more useful. So say you're an acupuncturist, you do the acupuncture treatment, and you do a before and after test. And you say before, these issues were there, after, these issues were gone, but there's more issues that are left. And it doesn't matter what method you, you use. Nobody's saying you have to learn everything. You have to learn, you know, this school of thought or that school of thought. but even if there's two other schools of thoughts, you know, say something about diet, something to do with supplements, you can go through those systems and see if any of those correct the remaining issues. So really keeping it open-ended there. So we have many things to choose from and we select between them. But if we take this a little bit further, What's the use of, you know, n having a much knowledge, knowing a different, pro a, b a bunch of different protocols, but you have no way of being accountable that what you suggest, that what you suggest worked. So with suggestions and with results, what we tap into is how are we going to, what metrics are we going to use to assess the body? Acupuncturists, very simple. They check pulses, look at your tongue. There's some other types of analysis. They look at you as a person, analyze, you know, the way your skin, any lines on your skin of your face, and so on. You go to a Western doctor, they run your initial lab work. You go to a functional or naturopathic type doctor, they start you off by, I don't know, checking for adrenal fatigue, seeing if you're stressed somewhere in the body, <laughs> have you order a bunch, you know, spend thousands of dollars out of pocket on functional labs, get your food sensitivities run, stuff like that. Ho hopefully they, you know, arrive at some kind of problem. Maybe they check you for Lyme. And again, it's just so unbelievably simple. You know, there's only a few labs we can run. If the lab says you have Lyme, then I basically have no choice other than to treat you as a Lyme patient now. 
Whereas in our work, you can say, okay, Lyme's there, cytolomegravirus is there, herpes 2, herpes 6 is there, Epstein-Barr is there. You know, all these things are there. Here's the important one. These are secondary and, and really go about it in, a, in an organized way. So with us, rather than checking pulses, rather than using, you know, a simple applied kinesiology scan, which I'm not even going to get into because I can be a little bit critical of the, the limitation of, of, of using that method. Our results, um, we first look at coherence of the biofield. That's the first test we do. Then the tri-field, then the 10 layers, then the 12 meridians. We get a score which is reliable. And we can go back and say, you know, last time the stomach had this score, we found there was a problem in this diagno diagnostic area, nervous system health, DNA replication, nutrient shuttling. And the solution we used was this. And we can go back and say, okay, did that area restore? Now, what I want you to imagine or believe with me here is that in testing the biofield, it's just as important and adequate as lab tests. Not to say that they're medical. What I'm saying is that they are real. So we're measuring, you know, the second layer of the biofield. We're measuring what the person's light is actually capable of doing and seeing what areas have a problem on that layer. So basically when you do, you know, all these different layer tests, you scan the whole body. So on the first layer, you know, the biggest problems over here, second layer, the biggest problems over here, and you find solutions for each one. Now, that is where I get really good results, and especially seen by patients saying that they felt a shift. Having your energy aligned, having your biofield, not having incoherence by being more coherent, something switches, something shifts. You feel different. It's almost uncanny or kind of indescribable. Like you can't really, you know, something really changed, but it's not something that you'd want to get up in front of a large group of people and say, I did this, and then this is how I felt afterwards. It's not the kind of thing where... You can show, you know, my lab paper said this before and, you know, it says cured afterwards. It's more just we're unveiling these blockages and going about addressing them one at a time. We feel more well when we do this. So we have results we're tying our testing to. Um, very finicky about notes and getting the numbers down. Last time when we test, the score for this area was this, the score for that area was this. On this layer, we found a problem here, here, and here. We only addressed two of those. 
and, and getting that written down so that by the time with a patient, you have three charts. It's on the fourth session, something mathematical occurs where the likelihood of you getting something wrong or only addressing a small issue or dealing with one problem that was covering up another problem, the likelihood that you're going to miss the mark is small. And it does take a year to work on that. And I don't think there's a better way. If I, if I want to show you how to mountain bike, we're not going to start by driving up to the top of a mountain and then biking straight down. We start on easier paths. It's not my view that we can cover up the smaller issues and get to the larger ones. With the exception that, for example, with a cancer patient, you want to deal with all of them at once. So if I say, you know, most people, four sessions is where, I mean, even after the first session, they're going to be in a completely different place. Don't get me wrong. I'm talking about working with someone over a year. It's with the idea that, you know, with each three month period, they've shifted so much so dramatically that the healing steps you're able to do later far outweigh those that you could do earlier. Like you make way for the bigger types of changes you'll be able to make. But, you know, if somebody really said, um, give it to me all at once, I might see that patient two times in a week, but I'll, it's still a little bit of a gap there. So let's get on these protocols, open you up, you take those for a few days, and then see what's left. Do that for two weeks, come back, and then see what's left. And gradually you can get to the point where you can work on those things faster, which I don't think is, is better. Um, the, the main point should be to have the biggest positive, um, you know, I increase in the person's scores and their feeling. The, the goal isn't, you know, to find problems and remove them. That's not the deal. We're oriented towards restructuring the person's energetic wellness. Not, you know, saying we found this and now it's gone. It's, it's just rarely going to happen that way. Um, in terms of ideological processes, you know, I, I think it's unique. It's novel how much we do do to describe the imbalances we find. Like, I think we, we give a lot of information and data to the, the way we understand, you know, a pattern is incorrect. But to say that we know the cause of almost anything, even something with really good peer-reviewed research, say a case of a carcinogen, we can say we know that this carcinogen causes cancer, but the mechanism uh, we attribute this to, it would be dubious, to say the least, to call that mechanism 
as we understand it, a definitive truth. If I mean, isn't it weird? Isn't it funny that with all of the advisement to use vitamin D, it doesn't really seem like there's a reasonable scientific explanation about why it works or, or B12. I, I, I mean, every time I hear B12 is good for energy and I'm thinking about metabolic pathways involving B12, I'm like, energy? Is that really the way we want to be putting it? So, you know, I, I think we do, a, it's, it's, a, it's a neat contribution that we make to understanding why problems happen. But in my view, it's in no way definitive, nor should there be a definitive um, truth on that that can be known today on why we get cancer, why we have a stomach issue, why some people get autism and some don't. That doesn't mean we can't point to causal factors, but it's the same issue. Who can explain human thought and how that happens. As much as we know, I think there's very little we can say. So one more thing as we explore this point of view, you know, we're, that we're centralizing on, centering around here um, from the, the practitioner's standpoint, is as a practitioner, I want to be able to use any system of thought freely. I don't want to have to go to a you know two thousand dollar seminar to go pick up this detail, that one. And it's my view that just like Western medicine, medical program, seven years of study, you more or less learn everything you need to know, and you have access to learn everything else you need to know. We need that in holistic medicine. But we need it for the average person. We do. If you don't think we don't, let's walk through this um, side by side. In Western medicine, who is trying to learn how to do surgery, to treat others as a doctor, as a layperson? Is it not very few of us Aside from we're looking up our problems, but we know we'll probably go to a doctor to get it. You know, there's very, there's very few of us who are actively trying to apply Western medical diagnostic inquiry. Other than when we're researching our own problems, we still trust that the doctor knows it better than us. How to complete a surgery better than us. But in a holistic medicine, what percentage of us get what we need to know from a professional that we 100% give over our trust to? Isn't that very rare? Don't you find yourself researching, learning about these different things? And I would say... It's because there is no global framework of knowledge 
that incorporates what's needed to be incorporated to adequately represent all of holistic health thought. We are so far from that, it's ridiculous. So we end up having to treat ourselves. We end up going to lay practitioners who are unprepared. We go end up going to naturopaths who maybe feel they're over-prepared. We go to chiropractors. And the, you know, the, the, even the acupuncturists too, but the chiropractors or the naturopaths, they're, they, they're involved with this school of thought or that one. I, I remember the last chiropractor I, I met, first thing he said was muscle testing. It's like, um, he called it using spells on patients to take their money, something like that. You know, you have chiropractors who have that type of thought and there are those those who practice applied kinesiology full-time as the center of their practice so in this divided framework which has led to many growth pains and growth periods i exist because that framework doesn't exist what's needed is both practitioners and patients have access to the truth. Access as broadly spread as possible. Access to the point where even if someone wants to use Tibetan medicine, there's access to an understanding about it. That if someone wants to use an acupuncture treatment, there should be access, not only how to do it, but what the use is. When do we use it? When do we not use it? So in all of you know, holistic medicine, what I see, undertrained, inferior practitioners who promise a lot whether they're doing acupuncture, they're doing Reiki, they're doing naturopathy, they're doing mixed, they went to a mixed chiropractic school. But, you know, when, when I compare this with the testing that I was trained in, and, you know, first thing, we check aluminum exposure, we check geopathic exposure, we check their EMF sensitivity, their relation to cell phones, we check Lyme disease, we check molds. We checked all these, we check all these infections, their bacteria levels, their, their stomach acid, dozens and dozens and dozens of things. We check all that in one session. And you start to get a little bit skeptical about someone who takes any one of those issues that we spend two seconds on testing with every single patient and they want to talk to you about it for a half hour or for five minutes or for 20 minutes or someone who is using acupuncture and they're making the patient feel very confident and, and feel very satisfied that they're doing enough. Lo and behold, acupuncture is not good with toxicology. I'm sorry, just does not have the results with toxicological type issues as it does with infections, with tiredness, with fatigue, with neurological strength, strength, 
joint flexibility, muscle cramping, muscle pain, diabetes even. You can get great results with acupuncture. Um, but toxicology in a four to seven year old, don't send them to the acupuncturist. You can send them to the acupuncturist for the results of their toxicological exposure. I'll just say that with the caveat that I know that acupuncture could be used for it, could be used for it. I'm just not seeing the results um, in, in my clinical practice. So we get a lot of big promises, divided schools of thought, where, you know, uh, somebody can't just easily dive into learning what the acupuncture points are about, divided schools of thought, you know, even with, with Klinghart type stuff, it's like this club and that person is that club. And, you know, compare that with the Western guys. What if we had this in holistic health? When you go to a Western doctor, thinks you might have a problem, he orders a blood test. Based on the blood test, he sends you to the department, you get your problem checked out. Based on the test, it tells you what you need to do next. And there's no question about it. They can see, you know, are you in kidney failure? Are you having a liver issue? Often, of course, they don't find anything, right? Send you to the psychiatrist <laughs> when you're having a pretty serious mental or, or physical health condition. But what's the equivalent of that in holistic medicine. Now, within the field of acupuncture, I think there is kind of somewhat of a standardization there. Although, when uh, I was living in Asheville, North Carolina, I made it a point to go to as many student acupuncture students as possible while they were doing their, their training clinic. I never got the same diagnosis twice, and I saw like seven of them. <laughs> I described the same problem they all give me different answers. And I thought that was a bit odd because you'd think it was more standardized. It was part of why I eventually left to get back into my work. Not to be snobby on what they're doing, and that was just my personal experience. But you would think that if you went to two acupuncturists, they both point you in the same direction. Two naturopaths. And the absence of a frame of reference by which to understand the thought fields and efficacy of holistic solutions is the problem uh, in America today. So I'll leave it there. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, let me know.